Hello and welcome to this podcast with Pastor Tony Paolo, recorded live at Restoration Church of Rhode Island. Enjoy today's message. Psalm 34, um, verse 8. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Everybody ready? All right. Reading. It says this. <clears throat> we have it actually on the screen. Verse 8 says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Somebody just, yeah, somebody went, hmm. Put your hand over your heart. Say, Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is going to be a full sensory experience when it comes to walking with Jesus. When you walk with Jesus, good things happen. And even when bad things happen, good things, you're so focused on the goodness of the Lord and uh, um, that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. You know, I read this passage and I look at it. I've meditated on it all week. I've read it so many times. And, and, and I often think, what does it mean to be the kind of person? Because I, when I read something, I don't know if you do this. <clears throat> I go, God, am I, am I that person? I want to make sure I'm that person. I want to make sure that I'm fully experiencing the menu of heaven. Because oftentimes what happens for me is I put myself in a position where I overly self-resource that I leave very little room for God to move. Do you do that sometimes? One of you? Okay. All right. Sometimes I find myself praying for supernatural things and then try to answer the prayer myself. <laughs> And, and so I really want to unpackage this verse in context. Um, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. This is written by David. Um, and the context of this is actually very interesting because as we're going to discover this verse, is, this entire chapter of 22 verses is written with a lot of passion and a lot of fire. And you would read this verse here and you would think, wow, David wrote it. Wow, things were going really well for David, all right? And especially when you read the same chapter, verse 1, chapter 34, verse 1 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. So I read verse 8 that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Bless the one who, who trusts in him. And then I read verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. Literally what David is saying is everything that leaves my lips, I want it to bring glory to God. So I read this and I'm like, man, things were going really well for David. But when you read what's going on in Psalm chapter 34, which is lined up with 1 Samuel chapter 21... David is running for his life. David is desperate. He's, uh, King Saul is after him, Aiden, and King Saul just released thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of, of his army to go and kill David. So David is alone. In fact, when you read some of the writings and some of the, 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 the commentators, and one commentator says that if he was around today, he would be diagnosed clinically depressed. So we can mark this moment, Psalm 34, the lowest point of David's life. Can you remember your lowest point? It wasn't a really good feeling. This was David's lowest moment. He was 
homeless. He was a fugitive, an outlaw. He slept outside. He slept in dens. He slept in caves. And so in one time in 1 Samuel chapter 21, he had hope. He, as he's running from Saul, he had hope to find refuge, a place of safety with a neighboring king that he was kind with. They were kind to him. They were, there was a connection. There was a relationship there. So he had hope that he would be able to go to this king and say, I need help. King Saul's coming after me. But this king just turned him away. So in David's mind, he says, I'm in trouble. I'm depressed. I'm hopeless and helpless, I, I, and I need help. Let me go help, get help from a friend. You ever been in that place? Oh, I'm going to go to so-and-so. They're going to be able to help me. And then every, literally, he had no one. I don't, know, I don't know if you've ever been in that place where it's like, I'm going to call so-and-so. They're going to help me. I know they always have a good word. Nothing. I'm going to call my, I'm gonna call my, my aunt. I know she she's operates in the prophetic Nothing. I'm going to call my grandmother because she always, man, she's always on the money with those words to me. Nothing. Literally, it's you and God. So David is at his lowest point. Now, when you're at your lowest point, you don't, you don't write stuff like, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. You don't write that kind of stuff. In fact, David was so desperate that when he went to the neighboring town to get help, they recognized who he was and they were going to kill him. So what he did was he pretended like he was insane. He pretended that he wasn't him. So he, he started scratching at doors and, and drooling down his beard because he didn't want people to recognize him. Don't judge David. You did some pretty desperate things too. So he was at his lowest point. Some of the things that we've done, some of the desperate things that we've done just to get by. This was David's context. So things weren't going very well for David. But this is what David does. See, this is what the, the last three, four months taught me. When things don't go well on the outside, I have to do what David did. And what David did was he created space between what was happening on the outside and what was happening on the inside. See, just because there's madness happening on the outside doesn't mean there has to be madness happening on the inside. You know that you can prevent all the madness from entering your heart. You know you can, you know you can do that, right? Yes? So there's a difference between the conflict. Sometimes I feel like there's a conflict. There's a belief system in my heart that I know God is true. I know God is faithful. But then I look, I open up my eyes. <laughs> And I see our world. I'm like, God, what is happening? So what David does is he creates a space between the madness and his mind. He couldn't control what was happening in his life, but he could control what was leaving his lips. And he says, one thing I'm going to do is I'm in a crisis, but I'm going to be careful what I say. I'm in a crisis. I, I, I mean, I'm so desperate I have to fake that I'm insane so people don't kill me. But I am going to bless the Lord. There's been times in my life where there's a crisis. Things are not going well on the outside. And the, the conflict, and I, I start saying things like, God, I worship you. And it feels so strange because when you read that, you assume things are going well. But when you read that in this context, things were not going 
well. So what David was trying to do in creating this space is, is and I'm trying to help you now create this. Say, I know the, the word, the phrase safe space now in our world means if you're offended, we give you a safe place and you can color with a coloring book and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a real divine space that you have the ability to encourage yourself in the Lord. See, David wasn't saying these things because he had faith. David was saying these things because he was trying to convince himself that God is good. So it's not a fake it till you make it, it's a faith it till you make it. So David would say, I am not doing well, but one thing I'm going to do is I will bless the Lord at all times, and I'm going to be careful what leaves my mouth. See, I think our biggest problem is not what's happening, what we're surrounded by. Our biggest problem is what we're saying. And it's not about what you see, it's about what, how you're seeing it. And this is perspective through the promises of God. And so David says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so his faith is being tested. And there's really no way to know how good God is unless your faith is tested. Honestly. We could say, we could all stand up and say, yeah, God's been good to me. And the only reason why we could say God's been good to me is because we went through something. Faith is not faith unless it's been tested. Yes? The only way you could say the Lord has been good to me is because you walked through something. you got to put the matter to the test. And your faith has to participate in a walk of faith. So David is trying to bring in all of our senses now. Tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Faith has the ability for the soul to taste. See, your God can reach parts of your heart that no one else can reach. And it's, yeah, I know a lot of really good counselors out there. And you can go to counselors for 20 years, and that counselor will not be able to tap into that part of your heart that God can tap into. Only the menu of heaven can serve up what you desire. And we're talking about being fully engaged now. We look at the word taste. Let's, let's unpackage this. To taste means to literally test the flavor. And let's look at this from a, a broader perspective, because when we look at the word Taste, literally, in any language, the word taste can only be used in the context of food and drink. But we're going to broaden our perspective here and look at the word taste in the context of personally experiencing the nuance of what God has for you. Every area of your life, taste and see that the Lord is good. You you have 10,000, you have 10,000 taste buds strategically placed and God strategically placed those taste buds, sweet, sour, bitter, salty. God strategically placed those taste buds because so, he wants to make sure that you taste your food. Can I get an amen? He wants to make sure that when you eat something salty, it's salty. When you eat something sweet, salty, it, it, that your, your taste buds come alive now. And you identify the taste. So the taste is the action. I'm going to your house to taste your food. That's the action. The flavor part of it is the experiencing of what you taste. So you cannot see unless you taste. And once you taste, you will see that the Lord is good. 
when you invite someone to your house, and you're, I know a couple of good cooks in the house, right? Right? Mom's not here. So when you cook, you, it's nice because my wife will say, I like cooking for people who like food. Because when you cook, right, and you go, my gosh, this is amazing. This is amazing. One of, as opposed to, and I have a feeling faith does this, as opposed to, oh, what is that? I don't eat that. Are you that kind of person, faith? I don't need that. No, I don't need that. It's a, but I don't know, but I'm going to put this side over. This is what we, but this is what some of us do when it comes to God. He's presenting us a meal, and we're like, oh, I, don't, I don't like that God. I don't, God, I don't like this. I could have cooked this better. And then sometimes we try to cook it better, and then it burns. It'll never be better than what God has for you. If you come up with a plan B, it's got to be better than plan A. It'll never be better than plan A. Never. So we start putting aside God. I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. I don't know. See, the good, the good part is not so much the taste, but the flavor. The taste is the action. The flavor is what fully engages my senses. And so let's not give all the credit to our taste buds now. Let's give the credit to our brain that identifies all these senses. That, and because if sometimes food can be so good, the food talks to me. I was nervous about saying it. It's like literally I'm like, wow. I, it's an experience. So the receptors in the, in the nose, you, you start eating your food. It sends the scent, the, the smell through your nose. It triggers the brain, and your food becomes an experience. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. This is why God talks a lot about food in the Bible, because he gets our attention. It's a, it's a full experience, and, it, and it's so passionate. So the taste is the action. The flavor is the odor, the fragrance, the all around what you are tasting. And the Hebrew, in Psalm 34, 8, the Hebrew, it's so intense. In fact, when we move from the NIV into the King James Version, the King James Version says it this way, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. NIV says taste and see the Lord is good. NIV, King James says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because in the original language, it's so intense and so passionate. David is saying, oh my goodness. This is amazing. One commentator says that David expresses this such in a passionate way. It's as if he's having the best moment of his life. But David's in a cave. David's cold. He can't feel his fingers. He can't feel his toes. But he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. What's keeping you from praising God? It's not that. What's keeping us? Well, God, when you bring me the breakthrough, I mean, your biggest breakthrough is stop thinking about yourself. David says, I will continue. I'm going to make sure that what leaves my lips does not match what's happening around me. I'm going to make sure that what leaves my lips is in line with covenant, the word of God. Oh, taste and see. Almost like I'm having the greatest moment of my life. When uh, a couple of years ago, we took Zoe and, and Samantha to our two youngest. At the time, they were seven and probably ten. And we took them to uh, uh, Magic Kingdom. 
overpriced place. Yeah. So in Orlando, Florida. Oh my gosh. So anyway, so so we're the kind of people where I'm like, I say to them at the at the end of the evening, we do the 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 light up parade and 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 uh, so Sam sees all these light up things and she goes, This is the best moment of my life. So I'm like, you better say that. You know how much money I spent? It's a crime. It's, it is, man. And then so, now, you know those guys that walk around with the carts with the light-up toys? I'm, not, I'm like, I'm not buying them. I'm not buying them. Zoe, Sam, don't ask me. I'm not doing it. Sue, just let you know. You hear me, honey? I'm not going to do it. $30 for that, that light-up dumb thing. I'm not doing it. So, but before we leave Rhode Island, we'll go to the dollar store. Somebody say, praise the Lord, parents, moms. Come on, help me out. And, and I'll go get them for a dollar, and I'll shape them into Mickey ears and glue, super glue and glue gun. I'm like, here we go. Don't break it until, don't snap it until we get there. So we're not buying it, we're not buying it. So the kids are there, and guess what dad does? I buy it. And so it's when I spent the $35 on that thing that lasted about five minutes that Sam said, this is the best moment of my life. You know, I think, I think we're at fault of losing our ability to be kids. I, I, I think we have to, at least every day, to say, this is the best moment of my life. Oh, taste and see. that We've lost our ability to be in awe. We've lost our ability to be impressed by the things of God. The things that God is serving up or, to you on the menu. You're like, ah, I don't like that. I don't like mushrooms. They taste like rubber bands. I don't like peas because my mom would beat me if I didn't eat them. I'm good now. I'm good now. I, I don't like, I like broccoli. I don't like, I don't like corn. We do that. We're so selective. We pray for a miracle. And then we're a selective receiver. David says, oh, taste and see. So this is a full open RSV invitation to you to experience and participate. This is not just something that fills your stomach. This is something that fills the bottom of your soul. Whatever God does in your life will affect all of your senses. All of it. When was the last time you were able to say, this is the best moment of my life. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm going to tell you something. I only order from the menu of heaven. Because only his meals are able to tap into the deep parts of my heart. Oh, taste and see. And once those things, once supernatural things happen in your life, you're like, I'm, I'm done. I'm good. Lord, what do you need from me? What do you need? We've lost our ability to be able to say, God, thank you for doing this supernatural thing in my life. Oh, taste and see. I shared a story last week. I come to discover I shared a story last week about Zoe. Uh, she's 12 now, that many of you afterwards came up and said, hey, I didn't even know about that story. And we've been at the church for 14 years, and she's 12. So I just I want to share the story in just with a little bit more details that really affected us. She's 12 now. When she was born, prior, my wife had two miscarriages. And, uh, um, and then when she became pregnant with, with uh, Zoe, uh, she had complications. We went to the hospital here in Rhode Island. Um, and uh, she, she miscarried the baby. She miscarried Zoe, all right? And uh, they did all kinds of tests. They did heartbeat. They said, sorry, there's no heartbeat. Um, 
and, uh, and we're so sorry. And, 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 and they left the room, drew the shade. And I remember I was angry at God. You ever been angry at God? I, I was like angry at God. I was like, God, and I said out loud, God, this doesn't make any sense. You know what I like about God? He's, he can handle our prayers. As messy and sloppy <laughs> as they can be, he can handle our prayers. And, and I was like, I was angry at God. I, my wife and I, we were weeping. And I was hurt. I was, I, I was discouraged. I, 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 my prayers should not have qualified as faith. And so I said to my wife, I said, she, I said, honey, look at us. I said, let's put our hands on your belly and declare life. So I said, God, ang- I was angry. I was discouraged. I was filled with doubt. But this is it now. Be careful. When you're in crisis, be careful what leaves your lips. Because we could have just agreed with the plan of the enemy instead of agreeing with the plan of God. And I said, God, I de- we declare life and health. Because you can have life and not health. I said, we declare life over this womb in the name of Jesus. And so my wife and I, we went from laughing. Um, uh, we went from crying to laughter. So now another technician came in. Apparently, she didn't get the, key, the message because she says, well, we came to measure the baby because she didn't hear about the miscarriage. So she comes in and she goes, oh, we come to measure the baby. We're like, okay. So she takes us to the, her, her technician room and she, they do all the measurements of the baby. And then she goes, okay, let's look for the heartbeat. I'm like, she goes, there goes the heartbeat. Now, you know why we called her Zoe? Because Zoe in the Greek means life. Life. And my wife said, we're going to call her Zoe. Let's tell no one. I'm like, no problem. Love it. So we go up to New Hampshire during the pregnancy, and we go visit a friend of ours who operates in the prophetic. Her name is Caroline. And she goes, oh, my gosh. Oh, this is beautiful. She goes, this is going to be a girl. We had found out it was going to be a girl. My wife's like, did you tell? I'm like, no. She goes, you should call her Zoe. I'm like, she goes, my wife says, do you tell? I'm like, I didn't tell her anything. His praise. You see, I want what I speak to be in agreement with his word. I don't want the devil to ever amen what I say. And the problem here is we're praying for a miracle, but the devil is applauding everything you're saying. Because what's coming from your lips does not match your belief system. You have to be able to create that cushion, that space. I know this is reality, but then there's God's reality here. And God's reality here is that he's creating a meal that even in the midst of your most difficult crisis, Psalm 23 verse 5 says, in the midst of my enemies, he's preparing a table before me in the presence of my enemies enemies David was at his lowest moment saying God is good oh my gosh and this is why there's a difference between these two people where that person that's going through conflict man you can tell they're going through conflict because they're just miserable that's the kind of person you don't ask how you doing (laughs) there's always somebody you never ask them how you doing I'm making do First of all, that's disgusting. And then you have the other person. You have that other person who's going through the same kind of difficulty, and you can't even tell why, because they're talking about the goodness of God, 
more than they are talking about their circumstance. In Psalm 34, David didn't say, God, help me, I'm depressed. Uh, uh, uh. Some commentators say, when he was even suicidal, I need help, I got these thoughts in my head, I need help, Lord Jesus, deliver me. He didn't pray for deliverance. You know what he said? When this poor man called, the Lord delivered me. David, the Lord didn't do any delivery, but David was declaring it out in the atmosphere to make sure he called those things that were not as though they were. It doesn't matter what's happening around you just as long as it doesn't happen inside of you. And this is what he says in verse 8, the second part of verse 8. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. I want to be one that when I'm in trouble, I run to God. When I'm not in trouble... I run to God. I've conditioned my soul that when I'm deep down in the trenches in my mind, does your mind sometimes play tricks on you? And you're like, God, I need, oh, Chuck, I'm just going to open up the Bible. Sometimes I'll just keep my mouth closed until I can get to the book of Psalms. Because I don't even trust myself what I'm going to say. But when I open to Psalm 38, I say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. David was homeless. He was a fugitive. He was depressed, suicidal. Talking about the goodness of God. How about you? How about you? At what point do you talk talking about the goodness of God? See, a true breakthrough is not talking about the goodness of God when a good thing happens. A true breakthrough is talking about the goodness of God when nothing good around you is happening. That's a kingdom. That's true breakthrough is separating yourself. And so this, this song, we're going to sing this song. I don't have the worship team. Come on up now. We're going to sing this song. Just separating, just temporarily separate yourself from the fact. Separate yourself from the facts. And focus on the truth. Two different things. Because when we look at the facts and when we look at the truth, guess what? The Bible doesn't say, and you shall know the facts, and the facts will set you free. The Bible says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Bible's not filled with facts. The Bible is filled with truth. And this here, my friend, is what set you free. This here, my friend, is what set me free. So the only way to prove that God is good is to be able to talk about his goodness even in the middle of bad things happening. That's refuge. I've conditioned my soul only to order from the menu of heaven. And some of you are ordering from other menus. And God's like saying, no bueno. That means no good. You guys do that, right? Just wanted to let you know. Let's sing this song. Let's sing this song, Angie. And if you're going through a difficult moment, David didn't ask for anything. In fact, let me read real quick what some of the things he said. He was making declarations. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. He says, glorify the Lord with me. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. No, he didn't. <laughs> David, you're in trouble, dude. Let us glorify his name together. He delivered me from all my fears. No, he didn't. You're in trouble, dude. My face will never be covered with shame. He says, this poor man called and the Lord heard him. Isn't that cool? There's a difference between God. He says, the Lord heard me, which is different than the Lord answered. 
just the Lord just spoke to me here God hears you but he didn't answer you yet you know why because he likes your attention seems that the only time you pray is when you're in crisis can we just drag out this crisis five minutes more because I like talking to you God is saying if I deliver you I know when people there's certain people I know when they're in church they're not doing well I'm like oh they're in crisis and when God answers their prayer they kind of just go away so let's sing let's sing let's sing this song Angie Thank you for listening. Tony Paolo is the lead pastor of Restoration Church. If you would like more information, go to restorationchurchri.com.